Why so serious, Marvel? <laughs> Welcome to another edition of Films on Trial. This week, a special bonus episode where we put Avengers Infinity War on trial. I'm Gav. I'm Alex. I'm Dave. I'm Joe. And I'm Austin. And where will you be when it all ends? The, the podcast, that is. <laughs> is that the Armageddon tagline? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, if you've never heard this show before, basically what we do is we take a film and we put it on trial. It's as simple as that. But there'll be a whole host of other hilarious shenanigans along the way. There's going to be a caption contest, a quiz, some biffy songs, some terrible impressions, and a whole lot of banter. But before we do any of that, why don't we have some news? Oh, come on. I've got it, I've got it. You got it. Nailed it. Nailed it. I've got it, I've got it, I've got it. It's a classic. Lovely. Hey, you like that one this week? That's worth the wait, yeah. Well done. Yeah, worth the wait and only the one fuck up. Anyway, uh, so what we do here is we essentially go around in a circle and we talk about this week's news. But because this week's episode is such a bumper edition, I think we're just going to talk about one piece of news this week. And we've spoken about it beforehand. And it's going to be the release of the second trailer for the Venom movie starring Tom Hardy. Um, so has everybody had the chance to watch the trailer? Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. So it's broken some sort of box office, well, box office, some sort of trailer record in that it has received 64 million million views in less than 24 hours which uh, coincidentally is more views than the original trailer so far so that is quite impressive in itself it's also i think more noticeable or notable because it's the first actual look at tom hardy as venom so what do people think of venom in the film i i liked it not knowing much about the comics i was a big fan i made me want to watch the film so yeah good trailer do like Tom Hardy. I think he can do it. I think he can also do the, um, it's kind of like a schizophrenic aspect to Venom, right? Like he's talking yeah. to himself and <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think Tom Hardy can pull it off and the action looked good and a bit new. So I'm, I'm all up for it. You're a big fan of Venom and Spider-Man, aren't you, Joel? What did you think of it? Mm, I it's hard to say. Like, I don't, I don't really know. I like, I, I like the trailer, but some aspects of it just kind of made me think I didn't like it as well. Yeah. Like uh, I, I liked the whole um, the bit where he wasn't Venom, basically, and then when he was Venom, I didn't like it as much. But uh, we'll wait and see. I've got an open mind, but it kind of just reminded me of Spider Man Three. Oh shit! Really? Yeah. <clears throat> like I wasn't totally blown away by it. Like when I saw the Infinity Wars trailer, I was like just completely fucking blown. You know, blown away. I was so excited by it, and then like Venom for me. Like I can remember one of my favorite toys as a kid was Venom, and his little mask came off and. <laughs> Like, I just didn't get that excitement watch it, watching oh. this. So, yeah. <laughs> you didn't get the same excitement as pulling a mask off of a toy when you were a kid. <laughs> it was good at the time. Yeah, it's right. such, a, such a sweet story. Uh, it, what, what, sorry. No, no, what, go on. What, what, what would have made it exciting for you? What was it, what was it the action of Venom or the Venom itself? What, mm, what was it? I just don't know. Like, Venom for me is like a really menacing character. Um, and like, I, I feel like the film should be a lot darker. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it just didn't show enough because... I'm sure I read somewhere that the main villain is going to be Carnage, and it is, it did kind of tease that at the start because there were a lot of people being experimented on with symbiotes, weren't there? Mm. Um, and maybe one of the other ones, uh, you know, is going to be Carnage. So maybe it'll fit together well. I don't know, but 
Yeah, I wasn't totally blown away by it. I, I thought, actually, the, the opposite. I thought it revealed too much. Uh, I, I think that I got far too much from it. Uh, kind of, you saw exactly what they were doing with the experiments. You saw that he was a reporter, and then there was that bit where he said, I'm going to sneak in and you know take some footage of it, and then he gets attacked by the symbiote, and then he goes home, and he's a bit like, got cold and flu symptoms, and then people try to you know, arrest him and take him back to the lab. And then there's lots. And so I feel like I've essentially already seen the first 30, 40 minutes of the film. And then it's just the bits that I don't know uh, how it, how it ends essentially. I think it gave away far too much. And I didn't like the whole schizophrenic side of, of Venom. I, I kind of liked it in the comics and the 1994 Spider-Man cartoon when Eddie Brock kind of, he was like assimilated by Venom and he ended up kind of having some sort of mental breakdown and all of this anger and angst and hatred that he'd felt before was amplified by the symbiote. And he became like this really unhinged character. Whereas with that, Tom Hardy, the way he was playing it, it seemed a bit, I, I don't know, it's, it, it, but, almost but, a bit comedic. Wasn't there a bit in the trailer where, I think it was towards the end, where he, it, it sounded like he was letting go and kind yes, of giving into I, it. I got that impression. Yeah. Uh, he's always going to be at first not into having his body taken over by a parasite as well, right? So there's going to be that first bit. I'll just lie back and let it happen. <laughs> Dave, what do you, do you think? Um, I thought it looked good. I, I, I will go see it. I will go see it. It compelled me enough to, to see it, but I know what Gav means. It did give a hell of a lot away in trailers. Mm. But but then a lot of films do these days. And if you actually think, funnily enough, with the, with the film we're doing today, um, Infinity War, what you get in the trailer isn't necessarily what you're going to get in the film. If you remember when the Avengers Infinity War trailer came out, there's this scene of Captain oh, yeah. America and, uh, and Black Widow and all these Avengers charging down with the Hulk behind them in Wakanda. Hulk doesn't actually show up in Wakanda, so it's... Uh, Oh yeah, by the way, um, just to kind of tell everybody that this <laughs> is obviously a spoilerific spoilers. episode. Spoilers. Shit, yeah. If you haven't seen Infinity War beforehand, please do so, or don't listen to this episode, or just listen to the bits that we're not talking about Infinity War, so the very beginning and the very end. Time to switch off. <laughs> anyway. Uh, also, why haven't I watched it yet? It's been out for like a week. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. come on, suck it up. Anyway, Ozzy, can you smell that? <laughs> 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 no, you could have got away with that. Ah, <laughs> these weeks, my big fat sausage fingers. Oh, come on. Uh, anyway, sorry. Obviously, uh, did you have something you wanted to tell us? I, was, I, thought, um, I thought you were going to do the rock news this week. Sorry, man. I, uh, lazy, lazy. Yeah, yeah. Back from Japan and l- seriously just can't be asked. Been keeping up with him, but only, you know, only what gets over to Japan. He's not, <laughs> he's not a huge superstar over there just yet. So Yet. You, yeah. g- you give him time. Uh, so anyway, so The Rock was talking this week about his next project that he's going to start filming, which is Red Notice, which is an action comedy directed and written by Rawson Marshall Thurber, who is the guy who wrote and directed Central Intelligence and is going to be working on The Rock's next project to be released in the cinema, which is Skyscraper, the eagerly anticipated sort of towering inferno, diehard hybrid <laughs> that we're all going to go and see in the cinema. And they were talking about potential co-stars, and The Rock said that he would really want to work with Chris Pratt. So what do you guys think of the potential teaming up of Chris Pratt and The Rock? I think it'd be a weird one. I think they're both kind of leading men. And Chris Pratt, I think, would uh, would outshine The Rock, too. Personally, massively. Oh my God! Thanks. Would you get over it, Alex? Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> I thought this could be some common ground for I, us. I, I, I would go and see it. Like, I do think it may be interesting. It could work as well. I feel like Chris Pratt could work with pretty much anyone, and and I'd have a good time. So, yeah, no, I, I think it could work. 
Maybe, but I do. Know, I kind of know what. I kind of know contribution what Joel means. here, Brucey. <laughs> <laughs> kind of know what Joel means a bit. It's it's not it's not a, a pairing. I'm like, oh yeah, that'll definitely work. It could though. I think it could. I think it'd be quite exciting. I think it's like the second combination I'd most like to see of The Rock working with someone behind The Rock and Donald Sutherland. So I think that would be... <laughs> Donald <laughs> Sutherland. Donald Sutherland. Sutherland. Yeah. That's an interesting wait. one. Can't what, wait. What, 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 can <laughs> I just ask why? I just think it'd be really exciting. Do you, you don't want to see The Rock and Donald Sutherland I mean, I do in now. action comedy together? <laughs> now I put that little seed no, in your heads, you can't get rid of it. Uh, I'm just wondering where that seed came from. I do want to see it, you're right, but I'm just wondering where it came from. Do you know, for oh, some reason, like, <laughs> you'll all see. As soon as Hollywood takes my script. The one, the one thing that came into my mind was Midnight Run as well. So I've just got The Rock and Donald Sutherland reenacting Midnight Run. <laughs> Jesus. Anyway, well, uh, Aston, you're a big rock fan as well. Come yeah, on, yeah. I'm, I, I, I think that'll be really exciting. I like Chris Pratt. I like The Rock. I can't see what could go wrong there. To be honest with you, I think it's uh, it'd any, be awesome. By any chance, would The Rock be playing like a strong action male? I'll lead? behave yourself. <laughs> I'm just asking. It, does that mean he is? He's like the new Arnie, isn't he? You can't you can't not play that guy. Look That's at true. the size of him. He's, he's not going to be able to do anything. He, other def- than he that. definitely can't not play that guy. Oh, I see. He does it brilliantly. So, no, no, he does. I'm, I'm he glad does. you're back. I see to yeah. back me up here. <laughs> honestly, like, it's, uh, you know what I'm thinking about doing? Actually, is putting a poll out on Twitter to see who a better actor is. Ozzy, I'd like your opinion: The Rock or Sean Connery? Oh the Rock. Oh my God! <laughs> Easy as that, man. Easy am, as I, that. I'm just going to renounce on it. Like, well, not on it. Like for, for for all our many people who listen to this, I'm going to renounce Sean Connery. All right, stop bringing him up. I'm renouncing him. Stop bringing him up. Oh my up. God. Oh, anyway, on that bombshell. On that bombshell. <laughs> I forgot how the song goes, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, right, if you've never heard this show before, basically we take a film and we put it on trial. This week is Avengers Infinity War. Uh, it hasn't been pulled out of the hat at random, unfortunately. We have actually gone to go and see it, all of us. Uh, but the roles have been picked out at random. And in the role of the defense, trying to get the film placed on the hit list is going to be our good friend, Joel. Hello, Joel. Hello. Oh, good. Brimming with enthusiasm as always. <laughs> In the role of prosecution and trying to get the film condemned to the shit list is going to be Captain Dave. Hello, Dave. Bless you, sweet rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the roles of character witnesses, Whitney, Whitney Houston's are going to be uh, my good self and Austin Ray. And basically, we're going to be lending our genuine opinion to throw a bit of weight behind either side of the argument. And that means in the role of judge is going to be Alex. And Alex's role is to listen to both sets of the argument and to decide which film the film which list the film should be placed on the hit or the shit based just on the arguments and not using his own opinion right okay so without further hesitation i think we should give the listeners a bit of an idea as to what the film's about and uh, we're going to read out the synopsis but we're going to spin the wheel of impressions <laughs> do it <laughs> I'm not ready for this at all. <laughs> I just got to point out the wheel is on the upside down part of a quality street. Then, <laughs> shut, shut up, Dave. <laughs> okay, here we go. Spin the wheel. Uh, drum roll, please. Very, very poor drum roll. I'm going to very poor spin. Okay, it's Brucey. Oh, okay. I'm ready. So, anyone got a good idea for a voice? Scarlet Witch. Ooh, anyone, anyone got a better idea for voice? Um, uh, Thor. Thor. Go on, Thor. go be Thor. Okay, I'll do Thor. Okay, ready? The Avengers and their allies must be willing to sacrifice all in an attempt to defeat the powerful Thanos before his blitz of devastation and ruin puts an end to the universe. 
Nice. Oh, okay. yeah. not too bad to be honest. Yeah. I just assumed you were going to biff it up, but <laughs> but I did. Good job. I didn't. Okay, so without further hesitation, Alex, would you like to kick off proceedings, please? Yes, I would. Um, all right, I, I'm, I'm actually on the fence on this one, so I feel like I, do, I am in a good position to judge it. Is it either of you that would like to go first, prosecution or defence, particularly? Mm. Joel, do you want to take it? Yep, fine with me. Okay, so uh, Joel as defence. Off you go. Convince me. All right. Well, it's it's no secret that I was super excited for this. Like, I, it was probably one of the biggest films that I can, you know, ever imagine watching in my lifetime, really. Because it had such a big impact on me as a kid. But at the back of my mind, I always thought, what if they fuck it up? Do you, you know, it's one of them where you've got such high expectations, you could go into it and you could be majorly disappointed. Uh, kind of like The Last Jedi, which will leave a scar forever <laughs> in my soul. But, but, you know, right from the off, in that kind of opening sequence, the way they have in all the Marvel films where, like, that Marvel uh, kind of cinematic thing flies across the screen. Normally they have, they have some type of music, like they have the Marvel theme. Uh, but this, it was just completely quiet. And you heard, like, a distress call from uh, the Asgardian ship. And then you get that opening sequence where Loki and Hemidal both are both killed. Uh, the Hulk's just completely, you know, <laughs> destroyed and beaten. Uh, and the battle scene is just completely brutal as well. It's nothing that we've seen before in like a, a superhero film or like an Avengers film. It was kind of like, you know, a fight scene out of uh, the Bourne Identity or something. You could just feel like every punch coming from from Thanos. And I thought it was a really good introduction as well to the Black Order. Um, you've got like Ebony Moore, who's the, who's the one that kind of preaches around. He's like, hear ye, hear ye. And I just thought that was really cool as well. Um, And then, you know, you kind of go into the main film and the structure of the film basically revolves around unlikely team-ups, but it's really kind of fun watching all the characters that you've watched basically for the last kind of 10, 12 years, however long it is. And like all the interactions between them, like the the interactions between like Iron Man and and Star-Lord and Thor and the Guardians and the the film doesn't really waste any time on introducing the characters. It just kind of you know, kind of goes along with the pace, but it, it, it's got no time to waste it. It's a long film, kind of two hours, I think two hours, 20, two hours, 30, something like that. So it doesn't really have any time to, to, to give you introductions to a lot of the characters, but it's just wall to wall jokes as well. There's so many that kind of stick out. Like when I was uh, doing a little bit of research for this, I just kind of, you know, Googled infinity war quotes and there were so many on there that just made me reminisce about the film. Like, you know, why is Gamora and, and, you know, get lost, Squidward. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Star-Lord again saying about Thanos' ballsack chin, you know, just <laughs> a- absolute, like, funny lines. Um, and then they're kind of in between uh, really cool action sequences uh, and the surprise after surprise in the film as well, even if you've read the comics, it plays out in a completely different way. Every single character, and there are a lot of them, big or small, has has a moment in the film. Even, like, the small ones who people don't really know much about, like Wong or Mantis, you know, they all have their, their little moment. Like Mantis, for example, um, she has a few jokes, but she also kind of stops Thanos with a kind of mind control. Um, and then even Peter Dinklage, who's probably the weakest link in the film, like, it's almost as if the director said to him, although he is kind of described as a um, dwarf, he is a giant, uh, like, just do your best giant impression. And he's like, oh, hello, I am a giant. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I'm gutted that we didn't pick that one for the Wheel of Impressions. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, even he's got probably one of the best jokes in the film where he's like, 
yes, that's what killing you means. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and yeah, like the size of the cast is such that it is kind of, you know, tough keeping track of all the characters, but the directors continually weave back and forth between plot threads and set pieces. And you're never really with anybody for, for too long. Uh, so when it does change, you kind of realize you're so invested in what's happening. You can't really wait to go back to that particular storyline. And yeah, it would have been nice to spend time with certain characters or have, you know, better introductions or backstories to, to people like the Black Order. But as I say, the film just doesn't really have time to, to cover all that stuff. The plot's relentless and the film needs to continually move forward. As I said, it is a long film. And if you put in something else, then you're going to cut something else out. And, you know, I think everything comes in expense in this film. And I think it's so well done um, that, as I say, they just couldn't fit absolutely everything in. But you know, maybe that'll be in a director's cut or something like that. And if they had done, maybe it would have lost tension, momentum, all that type of thing. Uh, the interwoven scenes, they maintain, like, the feeling of each of the movies as well. Like, scenes with Star-Lord in, they really, fit, they really feel like an actual Guardians movie. Like, the bit when you first see the Guardians, you have the uh, kind of typical Guardians soundtracks, like the 70s, 80s tunes. Uh, the the scenes with Black Panther, they really feel like you, you're actually watching a blank. Black Panther uh, movie, that type of thing. Uh, but obviously what ties everything together with this is Thanos. And every storyline, every piece piece of action, it's always down to him. And for a villain, like he's so charismatic and he's got such a commanding presence on the screen that you almost kind of end up rooting for him in a way. Like you kind of want him to get the Infinity Stones and everybody who watches the film you know kind of what his motivations are, you know what, exactly what he's about. And I think the film for kind of such a big film does a really good job of uh, kind of making you understand that, like what his motivations are and why he wants the Infinity Stones and what he's going to do with it. Um, and he's driven by this twisted logic and the, the film and the directors almost kind of make you believe that it's reasonable. He possesses like this really kind of quiet manner that lulls you into listening. And despite like the undercurrent of menace like something like a, a Don Corleone or something like that you kind of almost feel that you're on his side throughout some of the scenes and that is obviously down to a lot of uh, Josh Brolin's acting and also obviously the effects team as well uh, so yeah the film is actually unsurprisingly deep as well there's a whole kind of moral question uh, throughout the whole film and all the characters have moments where they consider if taking one life is worth it in order to save many and that's uh, kind of like the moral undertone throughout the film. Um, but how they go about it is is really kind of what sets it aside. There's some really emotional moments in the film, uh, like Gamora realising that Thanos does actually love her, and then her kind of face changes from laughing when she realises, when she thinks, sorry, that you know he can't get the stone because he doesn't love anybody to complete panic before he throws her you know, to, to her death, basically. And then probably the most touching... And best well done scene was obviously when when Peter Parker dies, who kind of saw Tony Stark as like his mentor and his role model, and then he says like he doesn't want to go, and then he just kind of fades and fades into ash. And yeah, you know, sometimes, uh, well, you know that that death isn't going to stick, but at the at the time, it doesn't really matter. You know, you don't really care about that. You're not thinking about that. You're just kind of invested in the story. Like Thanos, he sacrifices ideals, possessions. And especially life, he sees it all as a necessary part of victory and war. Like I say, there is this kind of really deep uh, undertone to the whole film. 
And as I've mentioned in a lot of these uh, podcasts, like the best stories, they make you care about what happens to the characters, if they make it out alive, what they lose along the way. And with a large proportion of the deaths, like I say, we know that they won't stick, but at the time you don't care and you you do care about the characters, who's going to make it out alive, whose deaths are going to stick, all that type of thing. And just one kind of final note, I thought the score was absolutely perfect. It didn't get in the way. Um, it was bo- it buoyed every scene with a kind of understated, appropriate emotional tone, and I thought everything just worked extremely well together. Okay, thank you very much, Joel. Um, Dave, I'm going to pass over straight to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, have you got anything? Joel there was talking about excellent brutal opening that sets the tone really, really well. Uh, it's a you know huge amount of characters that they're mixing up, but you know a, a point Joel made was that actually it manages not only to sort of keep, give all those characters a bit of time, it almost keeps a sense of all those different films, and there are many different films, but it keeps that sense of those different films in one and sort of brings them together as this film was meant to meant to do. Um, you know, plot jumps quite a lot, but it keeps a general sense of itself, and there's also some pretty good you know, moments of sentimentality, moments when, you know, we feel sad. And also Thanos is, you know, is, a, is a, an incredible villain, which it's all been building up to. So where would you come on all of that? Um, I see Joel's point on some of it, and I disagree quite heartily on others. <laughs> the big point that I'm going to disagree with Joel on is that you care about the characters. And it all ties into what Joel was saying about these deaths that we know are going to be reversed, essentially. At the end of the film, apologies, if you should have stopped listening by now if you haven't watched the film. Okay. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> too late, too late. At the end of the film, we know a lot of the heroes disintegrate, um, basically leaving you just with the core Avengers, the originals. They seem to escape for some reason. They just kind of whittle away everyone else that's been introduced since. And the people that they chose to die... It gives you this sense of this feeling that that these deaths will be reversed. There is no doubt in your mind. You know, you got Spider-Man, who we know has got a sequel coming up. We uh, we lost most of the Guardians of the Galaxy, who we know have got a third film coming up. Doctor Strange, who's got another film coming up. Black Panther, who although he may not have a sequel in the works, has just had one of the highest gross, the highest grossing movie of the year so far. They're not going to get rid of him. This is this is Disney and Marvel. This is a very corporate cycle. They are not going to kill these people off. And that's what annoys me about it. It's not that you know these people are coming back because of some profound character arc or because of any sort of sense that their, their story's not yet complete, that we need to see them again for a sense of completion. Um, it's, it's down to corporate and contractual obligations. That's why we know that they're coming back. And it's kind of sad that it's got to this point where it is just the, the assembly line of Marvel films just being put together. And, and just being churned out. And it, this film, because of these deaths that we know are going to be reversed, it's kind of almost like it's non-canon. It's like this film does not matter. It's like the deaths of these people does not matter, even though we may have become invested with them over the course of their previous films and of this one. It's just like, it, this doesn't, it means nothing. It leaves you cold. What is meant to be quite a, an emotional moment, you know, it's just like all appears lost and it's just like, mm, yeah, but next film you're going to, you're going to sort it all out, aren't you? <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it's almost like we should have viewed this film in conjunction with the next one when it comes out next year and just the two films together because it is half of a Marvel story because it's, it's like, it's the Marvel formula striking again. They have a set formula and they, they make no bones about this. It's quite obvious that they do. It's like, you know, you meet your bad guy, you meet your good guy, they clash, good guy loses, goes away for a bit, soul searches, finds some kind of inner strength within them, or more likely uh, meets an ally who will later have their own spin-off film at some point later down the line, and then comes back and defeats the bad guy. 
Now, at this point, we have cut the film at the point where the good guy loses after the first encounter with the bad guy. But the second part of the film is going to play out just like that. They're going to find some inner strength, or they're going to meet a new... Well, we know they're going to meet a new hero. If you look at the, the closing credits, it's it's Captain Marvel, who's going to come back and sort everything, and everyone's going to come back from death, and Thanos will be defeated, and we know exactly what's going to happen. It's just an extended version of the Marvel formula that we normally see confined to one movie. It's nothing groundbreaking. People are like, oh, this is Marvel, does Empire Strikes Back? It's like... Mm, no it's not it's still the marvel formula they've just lengthened it and so far as not feeling anything for the characters that's not just because the manner of their death is is something that's going to be overturned quite easily it's also down to the fact that you there are so many of them now i do think the film does a good job in in giving everyone a, a due amount of screen time i mean a few people fall by the wayside i don't think black widow gets much time to be honest with you i think she only gets a few lines captain america may as well have not been there to be honest with you he's kind of a bit of a sideline figure i think it's more people like iron man i think that's quite a big role uh, doctor strange does but it's either some of the heroes even though they're there they don't get a great deal to do apart from action set pieces and i feel that you just don't click with these characters because you spend so much time planet hopping from back from one section to another did stop looking at the cat sorry sorry <laughs> it's just a really nice this cat is, this is real I'm sorry. <laughs> you spend so much time planet hopping it just becomes a bit of a, a conundrum of cgi overuse of cgi at that and snappy one-liners that's essentially all this film boils down to and the cgi although it's there yeah it looks good now i, I can't help but think you know 20 years ago if you look at a film from 20 years back and you thought what they thought was state-of-the-art cgi state-of-the-art um special effects and it looks dated now 20 years from now this film could look dated too and i think it's going to be more of a problem for these films because so much of it is cgi when you rely on it so heavily yeah it looks great now but it won't stand the test of time at least well i don't think i've not seen the future i'm not dr strange but i feel it could it could come up uh, fall by the wayside a little bit and become quite dated um and what you got here is essentially a twin a two hour 40 minute toy commercial that marvel and disney have just like pushed out there with these sort of like like i say snappy one-liners uh keep kids entertained but that's it. it's a film for the kids and i when it comes to the emotional moments the deaths i don't think anyone over the age of 10 is really going to buy into that and is really going to be convinced that it's going to matter that it counts for anything okay an int- wow an interesting argument so dave dave coming at it more of a you know, the entire sort of Marvel thing makes it kind of impossible to care about a little bit because it's sort of a juddering franchise that will just keep going and going and going. And, you know, Dave's a, spe- a big point there seems to be that the ending doesn't really work because, you know, I think Joel brought this up himself. Oh, it works. It just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. Well, you know, it's it's the, you know, it's more reminding you it's an assembly line that definitely these characters are just going to go on and on and on. And, you know, that actually this is just following the normal formula of a Marvel movie that we all know already. So the second movie can already be predicted almost and that there is a lot of CGI. So like massively interesting argument from both people there. Um, I'm going to get, I'm going to bring in the character witnesses a bit on this one. Uh, Ozzy, you know, have you got some, do you want me to go through some of the points or would you like to? Well, yeah, what 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 would you like me to help you with? (laughs) So did you, were you engaged, basically, were you engaged with the film and were you with the characters, even though there were, you know, Joel said there were lots of them, um, but, you know, you did care about the characters, you were invested in some of the scenes, there were some, there was some great dialogue, good action, and, you know, and, and also moments of sentimentality. Or were you sort of aware, as Dave is saying, that actually this is just like a Marvel film 
when you're thinking about, well, this character's going to do this, this character, the, the overarching sort of juddering corporate corporateness of Marvel itself kind of stops this film being enjoyable. What did you think on that? I'm, uh, I think I'm, I think I'm quite solidly with Joel on this point, but I think it was helped that I, um, like I, I did the Marvel marathon running up to it. So I watched every film coming in. So I was quite invested in all of the characters cause I'd only recently seen them. So when somebody comes on screen, I've only just watched this story. So it was quite good. So then yeah, immediately a death or, or uh, like a, a bit of a surprise action hit me. I was like, Oh shit. Wow. That's happened. So yeah, I, I was quite invested. I thought it was, um, I thought it was really well done in the sense that it was a follow-on from the last 10 years worth of films. It wouldn't have worked if I hadn't watched those films previously, though, which I hadn't up until like sure. last week, so yeah. it would have been a struggle. But yeah, and the, and the action, like the CGI, were you? did you enjoy it? Well, yeah, I definitely did, but I'd never really thought of it from Dave's point of view. Now he's mentioned it, that, yeah, I mean, CGI heavy, isn't it? It's it's, it's all CGI. I mean, you could, there's actually times now that Dave's mentioned it where you... You see it, you know, I've seen it back on Instagram, little snippets and stuff where you go, oh shit, that's really shit CGI. But in the say, in the sense of the film, it was, you don't notice it so much. I didn't think it was a problem as of today. But yeah, yeah. 20 years from now, who knows? You it's know. true, it's true. Right, um, thanks Ozzy. Uh, Gav, where do you come on this? Well, I do think that maybe Dave might be right and in 20 years it might look naff. But I think if you look back on films that were, say, 20 years old now, there are still some that do hold up. I watched Jurassic Park again the other day and I was so surprised by how well the special effects has held up in that. I mean, obviously, they're not as good as you know Jurassic World special effects because of you know the budget and the advancements. And, and CGI Jurassic sense. World is awesome. Oh, yeah. It's a hit. It's a hit. Uh, <laughs> right, let's move back on to the it looks good kill. <laughs> I, I I don't think I've hated you more. <laughs> and I would actually say that, but the, then you left the kitchen door open before and my cat was licking grease off her buddy. Wait, who's he talking to? I'm talking to all of you. It's just oh, it. It, This isn't therapy, mate. You don't just air your problems. <laughs> honestly, honestly, I hate you all. Anyway, um, I, I will agree with, with Dave, though. The, the deaths kind of... I, I think the way that the film... It was rolled out. I can see where Dave's coming from. It is like the Marvel formula, but it's halved. But I think that's a bit refreshing because we've had 10 years of this formula in its entirety. Now that we're getting kind of an extended version of just half of the formula, I think it's a bit more refreshing because it's like, oh, we've got to tune in for the second part. So it is essentially like a two-part film. But I will agree that some of the deaths at the end they sort of don't matter. You can see that something's going to happen in the second film and that all the people who've just died will be brought back to life in some way. I think it might be a case that everyone who's just died now is trapped in like this soul world, you know, where Gamora is. And then it's a case of trying to release their souls from the soul world. And the Avengers that have survived might have to sacrifice themselves to save the newer ones. So that's why we're getting a lot of Iron Man screen time because it might be his final film. And same with uh, Captain America. Maybe the reason um, Black Widow didn't have a lot to do in that one is because she's going to have more of a bigger role in the next one. So I can kind of see where they're coming from, but it was much less impactful. When, as Joel said, you have this really exhilarating opening scene and yeah. you have two big deaths right at the right, right from the get-go of Heimdall and Loki. Mm. You're kind of taken, you're taken aback there and you're like, oh my God, these are like two really important characters who have just been in you know one of the most successful films of last year and they're killed off within the first five, ten minutes of the film that is very impactful gamora as well being killed 
that was also impactful. But then when it comes to the end and you do have characters like Spider-Man, like uh, Black Panther being disintegrated, you kind of, towards the end, you're like, well, you know, that maybe isn't as impactful. And that scene with Spider-Man was great, you know, where he was kind of reaching out to Tony Stark and saying, I don't want to go, you know, I'm afraid, whatever. I didn't feel emotionally connected to that scene because I knew... Don't surprise me, mate. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm dead inside, apparently. You could use a soul stone in your life. (laughs) It's evidence that somebody's already used the soul stone on me. (laughs) Um, But I think it would have had more of an emotional punch if... It, it, you know we wouldn't kind of have heard the news that spider-man 2 is coming out next year or, oh. or whenever it is because it was a case of oh well you know obviously that's not going to happen and it was a really great scene but it could have been much much more uh but I, I will agree with a lot of what joel said though i think the characters in it i think they they were all fleshed out really well uh you're probably going to talk a little bit more about characters later on so i'll go into a bit more detail then i think there were some really terrific lines as well and the score, as Joel said, was 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 great as well. Um, yeah, so I mean, yeah, pretty much sad and more. <laughs> so with inter- interesting. Though, you found like the contrast between the deaths at the start of the film were far more like like got you yeah. more than the deaths. Yeah, definitely. Did. Interesting. Yeah, I agree with that as well. Yeah. The, the first few were heart hitting. Well, I yeah. think the ones at the start are kind of hinted that they are permanent because there's that quote from Thanos that says no more resurrections this time. Mm-hmm. So, so Winking at the camera. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Promise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those ones, I can see where, you know, where Gav's coming from and everybody else really. Interesting. Right. Uh, Dave, would mm-hmm. you, have you got anything? What, what would you like to talk about next? Yeah, yeah, I'll go on. I mean, I've, I mentioned uh, this, how it fits into the, the scheme of Marvel, should we sure. say the evil scheme. <laughs> and, uh, I'll talk a little bit about the film in itself. Um, I, I understand what everyone's saying about the deaths of Heimdall and Loki. I thought they were more impactful than the, the ending death for sure. Just because like Joel says, you feel that this is finite for them. But, a lot of people predicted that both of those characters would be leaving at this point. It was kind of predicted. And a lot of this film, the way it played out, was pretty much predicted. You know, fans pretty much had this nailed before the film even came out. That's without the benefit of any leaks or anything like that. And the bits that weren't predictable, the bits that people are talking about now, were the bits that are so far-fetched and so preposterous. And they're the bits that, you know, like the deaths at the end, it's like, no, they're not going to kill them off. Oh, they did. It's a but they're going to bring them back. It's so far-fetched and preposterous that it couldn't have been predicted and yet they will unravel it and they will undo it and i think when joel was saying about the characters yeah i think that they're relatively well fleshed out i tell you what for a cast this big you know what they are fairly well fleshed out but there are some duffs in there There there's a couple of actors that didn't quite pull their weight um i think peter dinklage although it's a very funny cameo i Mm. don't i think he gave a very wooden performance i have to say also big shock for me because it's an actor i actually really like mark ruffalo I thought was a bit duff in this film. I don't think he gave a particularly good performance. I thought he was a bit... It wasn't that he didn't want to be there. It's like he was trying, but he was wooden, really wooden throughout all this. And it's the first film where I think we've had to see just Ruffalo rely on him solely and not the Hulk. And maybe, I don't know, have we gotten a little too attached to this character? Is he not all he's meant to be? But I think Mark Ruffalo did himself a disservice on this one because I know he's capable of better things. And I think, although I wouldn't say anyone else gave what I'd call a bad performance... I think there are some characters that delivered some pretty bad lines. I think, um, I mean, it's, it's not the actor's fault. I do think everyone else is a pretty good actor, 
but I think there's some there's some really tricky lines to deliver in this. It's a very far-fetched script. It's not the sort of dialogue that comes easy to you. But some people just fell short. They couldn't quite deliver it. Um, I hate to say it, Chris Pratt. I hate that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I love him too. I, I hate am, it too, I, Dave. Are you sure you want to? I, <laughs> I, I, Bruce, I that must hurt. Get the knife stuck in there about an actor that you really like and respect. I, I adore Chris Pratt, but there's this, there were a few duff lines from him, particularly the bit where, um, they have a bit of a fight with Iron Man and Spider-Man and Dr. Strange when they think, you know, oh, you're working with Thanos. No, you're working with Thanos. They have a bit of a fight. There's this bit where they have a bit of a Mexican showdown. Um, Chris Pratt's got his gun, the Spider-Man's head. And he does this, it's, it's like amateur drama-ish, the way he's like, whoa, what, you're not with Thanos? It's a really badly delivered line. And he did a couple like that, I'm sorry to say. I love him, I think he's a fantastic actor, but the script does not lend itself to be easily delivered by some of these actors. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. as well, I think, had a couple of duff ones. There were points where it just didn't look like he could be bothered. It's like he got his paycheck and cashed out. I think that scene with Spider-Man, I thought Tom Holland um, played that scene brilliantly, his death scene. He did a fantastic job, really felt it. I felt nothing from Robert Downey Jr. It's like he like holds on to him and, like, yeah, it's all right, pats him on the back it's all right mate it's all right and then just like lays him down and looks confused for a bit and it's just like it wasn't really well delivered from robert downey jr i think he let tom holland down in that scene to be honest with you which is unusual for the uh the veteran to let down the newcomer but it, it did it happened um like i said the film is overlong the action was a bit too in your face it got a bit it got a bit hectic i know they've got a lot to, to fill in and everyone's got to get their their moment in the limelight everyone's got to be seen fighting um but it just got a bit frantic at points it's just like you know just it wasn't quite into michael bay territory but it was straying very close to it i think at points and i think you just had to pull back a bit it's like you can focus on this character for more than 10 seconds let's just see what they do you don't have to keep flicking from one to the other it's and it was like like I say, the formula really did great on me. I think the, the marketing was a bit flawed as well, the planet hopping. And I think, you know, it's, there's too many feature films in the pipeline. That's all I can see is the pipeline ahead that Marvel have announced. Oh, we're going to be making this film. We're going to be making that. And they've kind of just, it, it just slots itself nicely into the jigsaw of the, the Marvel assembly line at the moment. And it just, it was all too predictable. I'm sorry to say it did exactly what it said on the tin, which sometimes isn't a bad thing. But in this instance, I think they could have pushed the boat out a little further and killing off half your cast in a near to way, you know, something that's going to be turned around. It, it wasn't the way to do it. That wasn't pushing the boat out. I have to say, before we went, we had that meal and you did predict an awful, you did predict a few things that did happen. In that yeah. Film. I mean, I, I, I had a, a wrist motion for it and everything, which was just kind of like <laughs> time <stone>. the time <laughs> stone. Just how you turn up. I, I actually, it must've been subliminally in my mind that they do make that wrist motion because I am connected and I wasn't sure they did, but I must, I've seen Dr. Strange. So I must've subliminally thought of that, that wrist turning motion. But yeah, I did think that the time stone is going to come to the front and it is going to save a lot of lives in the next film. Right, well, Joe, you you look like you're seething there, so get, <laughs> get him. That's just his resting face. <laughs> yeah, that's just my uh, slowly murdering Dave inside. <laughs> uh, but, but no, I mean, Infinity War is um, it's a major event kind of in the comics and it's referenced afterwards, you know, after the actual event happens, it's referenced for like absolute years to come in the comics. It's like this whole uh, kind of milestone kind of thing. Um, and it is obvious that the characters are going to die and, you know, that's because the storyline is already there. It's been in place for 20 or 30 years, whenever the actual comic came out. Um, but that isn't to say that all those characters will come back and I think they will surprise people. I think there were a lot of surprises in this film. 
um, especially from what people expected. I just want to kind of reference the trailer as well. Dave already mentioned um, kind of like a little bit of the the misdirection in the trailer. And I think when we were actually speaking before the film as well, I actually referenced uh, the Thor trailer and said there was some misdirection in the Thor Ragnarok trailer before that came out as well. Um, so I, th- I think they will surprise people. And a lot of the characters like Captain America, Black Panther, they're not tied to an individual like someone like Spider-Man is. They can be anybody like Black Panther could easily be you know, one of his generals, they just have to wear the suit, you know, same with uh, Captain America, you know, they, they take on like the persona. So some of the characters that disintegrated or whatever, I think they all will come back, but some may stay dead. So mm. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion by any means. I think there's obvious ones like Spider-Man, because he's obviously, I think Marvel even confirmed he's going to be like their next flagship character for phase four or whatever phase they're on next. Um, so I think some of them are obviously going to come back and some of them definitely won't stick. But I, th- I think definitely some of them are in the air and, uh, you know, there will be some surprises in the future. Uh, but just a, a note on the characters, I thought they just all did an amazing job. And I think the reason for that particularly is because most of them have already had their own films. They've already, they're already all comfortable in the roles and they know their characters really well. Someone like Chris Hemsworth, for example, as Thor. Like, the first Thor film was okay. Thor 2 was probably the weakest Marvel film that I've seen. Um, But then from uh, Thor Ragnarok to this film, not only has Chris Hemsworth done, like, a major job, like, Thor as a character has just evolved massively as well. And he went from being, for me, kind of one of the weakest Avengers Mm. to, like, probably the strongest one now. Um, And they just all had, like, a really good character arc. And as I say, I think that's just because... They've all had that time in their own films with maybe not as much pressure, someone like Black Panther or whatever. And then they've come into this film with all that experience and they can just build on it. Um, I think probably the only weak performance that I saw in the whole film was um, was Peter Dinklage. But I think that was... I, I'm not sure because Peter Dinklage is such a fantastic actor. I'm not sure if it was almost meant to be bad. I, do, I just don't know. Um, but I thought Josh Brolin was absolutely like insane as Thanos like he's it's such big boots to fill because I think kind of comic book fans are like one of those fans who you can really really piss off if you do things wrong oh yeah uh, especially with something like <laughs> like uh, you know what, what we covered uh, previously with with the Watchmen like if you if you do it wrong then they're not happy um so I, I don't really think there's there's many people out there who are going to say thanos w- was done badly they're not happy but they they'll still buy tickets do you know what I mean? yeah. <laughs> like, they, they always buy yeah. tickets they well, you've, got, you've got it haven't you? it yeah, reminds yeah. me of comic book guys like worst movie ever i will only see it 14 more times <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah i mean i mean he, he just did an absolutely fantastic job and i, I was completely uh, kind of blown away by him but i thought i would be anyway and you know like i say straight from that opening scene where he just absolutely batters the hulk um and just like some of the quotes and things you know like uh dread it run from it and all that type of stuff you can you can probably remember just a, a lot of them from the film um and yeah I, th- I think that pretty much sums it up um so yeah i i didn't think anybody did a, a bad job i think they all did an, an excellent job i don't think there was any performance in particular that kind of took you out the story as sometimes you might okay. you might get with like a weak link um and i do disagree with kind of what dave said with with chris pratt and, and robert Downey jr as well i didn't think 
Well, if they did deliver weak lines, I, I didn't notice it at the time. Let's just say that. Okay, thanks very much, guys. Um, right, so uh, talk to the character witnesses and then we'll come back to you for some closing arguments. Uh, Ozzy. Yes. Uh, listening there, you know, um, Dave was sort of pushing that there were some Duff performances like uh, Peter Dinklage, Mark Ruffalo, which yeah. you know, I hadn't really thought of, but thinking about, you know, what what would you, where would you go on oh, Ruffalo? I, t- I, t- I totally agree on the Mark Ruffalo bit. It just didn't, um, just felt odd, you know, with him, it just was just was weird because he was so good in the Hulk films. Yeah, but, um, yeah. For this, he just he was. Yeah, I think he was by far the worst uh, bit in the film for me. Just um, the whole Hulk storyline was a bit odd for me. You know, it's um, I get that you know, it's the Hulk was scared and stuff, but just he didn't bring it out. It was like almost trying to be comic book. You know. Uh, but, you know, he was trying to be. Uh, <laughs> it was like he was turning into a comedy scene. You know, he's um, he's talking to the Hulk. You know, come on, get, come on, buddy, and all this sort of stuff. And it just, it just was badly acted. That that whole Mark Ruffalo section was uh, was rubbish. And then, um, yeah, Peter, I agree with both people. Peter Dinklage was uh, was a bit of an odd um, thing. And I and I think he's a good actor. So he was probably told to do it that way. I feel it just just didn't. It was just a weird section. Like, how, how did you feel? Because he's he's a giant. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, I, I like I laughed out loud when <laughs> when I saw that. When I because I thought it was a mistake at first. I thought mm. it was just like how's how's that got through just for the first scene, and then it cuts away, it cuts back. It's like, oh shit, he's a dwarf, but he's actually a giant. But a dwarf. So um, it was just weird. And I just thought maybe it was a little bit. Kind of felt like a little bit in bad taste. Yeah. Almost, it's like you know, can't the guy get away from being like a, a comic, uh, comic character for a while? You know, he's a really good actor. Yeah. And then he's used in this almost again. There's just a bit of comic relief. Bit of a joke. Um, yeah. So I wasn't sure. I mean, I thought it, overall that scene was probably a bit forgettable as well. You know, it didn't be there. It felt like the um, the little bit in Star Wars where it was um, the weird oh, chase scene, the casino. Yeah, that's what it felt like for me a little bit that scene, but. Um, yeah, so so I agree that Mark Ruffalo is a weak link, and and Dinklage was a just felt a weird a weird section for me. And just quickly, Chris Pratt and Robert Downey Jr. I I didn't notice it being uh, I didn't notice it being odd. You know, Chris Pratt just felt to me just as Star Lord. It was we just watched their uh, a weird trailer beforehand where he just clearly wasn't funny. And when he came into this film, oh, Pratt yeah. was back to being funny again. So yeah, I thought yeah. he was all right. Didn't um. It felt good to me, the Chris Pratt section, and um, and yeah, and then Robert Downey Jr. I didn't, I didn't feel like that was a, a poorly done section either. I was sort, I was, I was relatively involved with that death scene. So yeah, okay, cool. Uh, just moving to Gav. Um, one thing, you know, you, you've been a massive Marvel fan pretty much from day one. Uh, you know, Dave's the, a big, a big sticking point that they're not agreeing on here. Dave is saying that this follows expectations. The fans knew what was happening, he knew what was happening, and there wasn't many surprises. And Joel is saying there were quite a few surprises in the film, there was like misdirection in the trailer, and it's not that clear about what the deaths mean at the end. So how did you feel? Were you surprised at what things were happening? Did you see them coming? Uh, yeah, I'll agree with Dave, I suppose, in that <laughs> some of it was um, some of it was predictable. Um, so some of the deaths he kind of saw coming a while off, and the ones that they did kind of put in there towards the end... 
you did kind of think, oh, well, you know, I didn't see that coming, but you can tell that it's not going to really stick. I do think that they did have a couple of unpredictable parts to it, especially the Red Skull, uh, the reintroduction oh, yeah. of the Red Skull. I, I, I always thought that he was going to eventually come back into it at some point, but I didn't think that it would be in this form and the way he was introduced as well. I thought that was a really good reintroduction of the character, to be honest. Um, when it comes to the the characters on the actors themselves with regards to Mark Ruffalo. I think he did an actually good job to be honest. I mean, to be fair, it's always the Hulk over Mark Ruffalo in all of the Avengers films. It's always kind of this big CGI character and Mark Ruffalo doesn't have a great deal to do with this. It was almost, he reminded me of like a kid in a sweet shop, you know, he's really excited to kind of be a part of this big massive film and actually get to act in it instead of just be like this CGI character. And with regards to um, Robert Downey Jr., that scene that Dave was talking about, I, I don't think he was confused when he was consoling um, Peter Parker when he was dying. I think it was just a case of he was accepting the fact he'd just been defeated. He was kind of, from that scene where he'd just been stabbed, he just kind of took a step back and that was it. It was almost like he can see his life kind of flashing before his eyes. He can see that he's finally hasn't been able to stand up to the challenge. And it was just kind of like this acceptance. This and isn't about you, kid. I've got my own things going on right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on, man. <laughs> uh, but I will agree with Dave that some of it was very, very Michael Bay-esque. I don't know if it's because we were sat right at the very front, but you could see some of the, fil- uh, some of the scenes, especially with um, Chris Evans, when he was fighting, um, what, what, what were the bad guys called? The henchmen? Black, Black Order. Order. Yeah, when he was fighting a couple of members of the Black Order, you could see that it was actually Chris Hemsworth, sorry, Chris Evans doing the fight scenes. You can see that he trained for it, but the camera work was a bit too shaky. It was a bit too close, and I would have preferred just a you know, couple of steps back, let us kind of appreciate the fact that these actors have gone through like intensive training to... You know. To actually do the fighting. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We, we want to see it. Um, so it was a bit too too up and close. Uh, one of the good things I did like, Joe was talking about character development. We were having a conversation beforehand where, because I've read a few articles where people have complained that if you hadn't seen any of the films beforehand, you'd be lost in this because you need to have seen every single one of them or you need to have an understanding of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think that's a bit unfair because this is like the 19th film in uh, you know the 19th marvel film and come on you must have at least seen one to be or fair, two though, as well it's, it's like saying watching breaking bad in season four you, yeah, yeah you're, you're not, not gonna follow it it's, if you're it's not a stupid on. comment to make in my yeah. opinion so but for this i think that the character developments and the characters within the film worked quite well because when you look at those previous 18 films the large majority of them have been directed and by, been written by different people and I was reading a really interesting article with the two writers, I've, I've forgotten their names, I'm sorry. And they hadn't seen Thor Ragnarok, hadn't been filmed at this point, well, it was getting filmed while they were writing it. So they kind of based their knowledge of Thor on the previous films. So they'd written some standard lines for him. They got in touch with, um, I, can't, I can never pronounce his name, Takiki. Yeah, yeah, um, the director and... Is that right? Yeah, I, th- I think so, yeah. And one of the writers of um, <laughs> Thor we'll Ragnarok... Yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry if you're listening. Um, and he was like, oh, no, 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 we're going in this completely new direction with him. So they actually 
got him on board and they said, okay, well, why don't you come over, have a little look at some of the stuff that we've written. And then they extended the same courtesy to other writers and directors from the Marvel franchise. So they got John Favreau in, they got um, Ryan Coogledge in, and they got people who, you know, because they obviously won't have seen like Black Panther and they wouldn't have seen Thor Ragnarok as well but they wanted to ensure that they had the same treatment of the characters in their other films like James Gunn he was brought in as an advisor as well to oversee the Guardians of the Galaxy dialogue and I thought that was quite good because it didn't kind of take the characters too far away from their actual films but I will agree with Dave uh, Star-Lord in it I didn't, didn't like the character at all to be honest it didn't feel like Guardians did he? Yeah, like and yeah, because it, yeah. it was surprising to read that James Gunn was involved in the writing. I think the dialogue was was funny, and I think you know his interactions were very much like Star Lord at the beginning. But towards the end, it was almost like those two films. You can feel that there's been a, an arc with Star Lord where he's starting to really mature and develop into a hero. And within this, he kind of seemed a bit like a petulant brat, you know, mm. like a little spoiled child. Who you know he was he was jealous of Thor being more handsome and everybody you know talking about how how much better looking Thor was and then at the end there's this scene where they're about to kind of get the Infinity Glove off of Thanos and he can't control his anger and he ends up punching Thanos and waking him up from his dream that just didn't seem like the character to be honest like, like more of a caricature of Star Lord than the one we've actually seen yeah, in the definitely. first two films so mate, I can see where Dave's coming from where he's saying that Chris Pratt maybe didn't do as good as a job I think. Maybe it's not Chris Pratt, but it's actually the writing, the role. Yeah. So, and, but you're always going to get that. I mean, this this is what twenty odd people in the in the main cast, and it's split in the film. And sometimes it did feel a bit like trying too hard to juggle them all at the same time. And maybe Star Lord was one of the instances where it fell down. Did it all fall down? Did all the balls fall down in the juggling, or did it? Did no, it I mean, it? I think one or two were dropped at certain points. But the majority of them, the ones that they decided to focus the main aspects of the film on remained in the air I like, do you like the analogy that we're, we're keeping up here we're, 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 we're keeping it going right I'm ready we're going to we're going to wrap this up now with some closing arguments is there anyone who would like to go first or should you just pick someone yeah uh, I've got a 10 second uh, pre-prepared quote alright 10 seconds right. I'm going to time it you ready with the gong Gav yep alright go Joel okay so Infinity Wars is a great superhero movie but it's more than that the emotional impact on the audience the artistry and the brilliant storytelling are so astonishingly good that it's just a great film, period. <laughs> nice. It's a film period. Film period. Film period, yeah. <laughs> to Keep, it together, Keep it together, guys. Keep it together. Right, um, Dave, are you ready? Mm-hmm. You're going to use your full minute? You're going to have 50 additional seconds. Take Joel's. Right, ready? Go. Okay, this film basically is Disney writing a check that they know is going to bounce. That is essentially what happens here. This film does not really mean much to you. It, it, the money appears to have taken the place of imagination, and it just all slots in all too nicely into the assembly line that is Marvel Films at the moment. It's corporate and contractual obligations that have limited this film, and it means that the future of the franchise is predetermined, and anything that could be a harrowing ending or an emotional ending is anything but. The emotion is sapped out of it, and it, it just it's very disappointing, all in all predictable, and, yeah, just a bit of a disappointment, really, at the end of the day. Thank you, Dave. Wow. Okay, a lot to consider. Uh, Gav, while I am considering, quiz me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's 
that's it. That's us taking a break from proceedings. Okay, um, so while Brucey is deliberating, oh, look at this, a very formal handshake between Joel and Dave Uh-oh. again. Always do, whenever it's a, a Robertson Farrow head-to-head, there's no, always a bit no, of a handshake. No, no one ever shakes my hand, if you shake your hand, Gav. Honestly, like, during my little closing statement there for the character witness, uh, me and Alex were swearing at each other the entire time. <laughs> like, the entire time. Literally no reason. Right. Um, uh, but, okay, okay, it's okay. So uh, this is a quiz where I'm going to ask uh, the guys if they can identify one of the lesser known Avengers from the comic series and if they can separate them from old advertising mascots. <laughs> I mean, and, okay. you, you had a perfect opportunity here to show us pictures of either Thanos' chin or ball sacks. Brucey's ring or bell all over again. <laughs> we recorded Watchmen the other day, and I was going to do Watch Your Crotch. <laughs> <laughs> Zoom into them. But anyway, so it's a film, uh, so it's a quiz I call Avenger or Pretender. Um, and, oh, oh, yes. No, I, I, I really appreciate after having to do the quiz last time and not doing very well. Like well done, Gav. Like it is hard work. Thank you very much, Alex. Oh, hang welcome. on, hang on. Here you I'll go. Be the judge of that. No, I'm not going to shake your hand. <laughs> <laughs> too far. Like, literally, too far. like you just said, nobody ever shakes my hand. I go to shake your hand, and he recoiled. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a song here. Uh, oh yes, I'm the great Avenger. I pretend that I'm doing well. Oh, for fuck's sake, <laughs> <laughs> Dave, you're the only person who would have got that. You're I too busy on your phone. Don't 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 it was a Freddie Mercury. It was a Freddie Mercury reference. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. Right. Anyway, and he only recalls because your hands are the size of bin lids. <laughs> <laughs> right. Number one, triathlon, Avenger or Pretender, Alex? Pretender. 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 Oh, you're all wrong. It's a, an Avenger. Really? really? Yeah. Well, triathlon. Disgraced former Olympian. Uh, he, <laughs> he obtained his powers from a cult and then joined the Avengers. I think his powers were that he could just run fast and jump. And cycle. Yeah. And swim. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and number two, Mayhem. Avenger or Pretender? Avenger. Avenger. Pretender. Avenger. Well done, Joe. Yeah, uh, he's, he's a pretender. Uh, he is the advertising mascot for All State Insurance and he's voiced by Dean Winters who is the vulture from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Dave. Okay. Uh, okay, right. Number three, Mr. No. Avenger or Pretender? Pretender. 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 Yeah, you're all right there. So the mascot for Capital One, played by the former actor, David Spade. <laughs> oh, <laughs> nice. Yeah, fair. <laughs> number four, I should have said uh, a current friend of Adam Sandler. <laughs> Uh, number four, D-Man. Avenger or Pretender? Avenger. Pretender. Avenger. Pretender. D-Man, that was Joel's porn suit, wasn't it? <laughs> D-Man. Uh, he is an Avenger. Ooh, Sorry, Dave. Yeah. Uh, the D stands for Demolition Man. Uh, he was an ally of Captain America, but he became a bit of a joke. Uh, and they essentially turned him. Came. I, can't, I can't think why. Yeah, they essentially turned him into a homeless um, schizophrenic, and he most recently turned into the new scourge. Uh, anyway, right number five, rage, avenger or pretender? Pretender, avenger, pretender, avenger. 
Uh, yeah, Avenger. He was the youngest ever Avenger. He was a kid who was soaked in toxic waste, and he ended up getting super strength, obviously. No way. Toxic waste. That is <laughs> However, uh, just like Nadine Cole from Girls Aloud, he lied about his age. They <laughs> say <laughs> getting soaked in toxic And was kicked out of the Avengers by Hercules, who was an Avenger at that point. Oh, okay. Hercules was an Avenger? Yeah. That's, that's a Disney crossover. I didn't see coming. <laughs> okay, number six, Morpheus, Avenger or Pretender? Avenger. Avenger. Pretender. Uh, yeah, Joel and Ozzy are right there. Pretender. He is the mascot for Kia Optima, and it's actually Morpheus from The Matrix, as played by oh, Lawrence Fishburne, from 2014 to present, by the way. Wow. Uh, Are you joking? <laughs> what, Lawrence Fishburne does those adverts? Yeah, yeah. They never should have cancelled Hannibal, should they? <laughs> Fucking hell. Oh, come on, don't remind me, man. Okay, number seven, Speedy. Avenger or Pretender? Uh, Avengers version of Flash, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get, I go with that, Avenger. <laughs> Pretender, I hope. I'm going to say Pretender as well. Uh, well done once again to Joel and Ozzy. He is a Pretender, and this is a very good quiz question for you guys. He is the original McDonald's mascot. So he was created in 1948, before Ronald McDonald came along in 1959. And by 1962, he was gone. <laughs> <laughs> he, oh, he'd God. become sluggish and <laughs> <cumbersome>. <laughs> Yeah, like, uh, it was just Ronald one commercial. Ronald. Ronald, <laughs> Ronald took him out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was one commercial for McDonald's. It was a very dark one. Uh, and it was just basically Ronald McDonald walking from a grave. <laughs> Dusting his gloves <laughs> off. <laughs> it's my house now, bitch. <laughs> okay, number eight, Stingray. Avenger or Pretender? Avenger. 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 I'm going to go Avenger as well. You're all right, yeah. A marine biologist who could shoot lightning and glide a little. (laughs) (laughs) Just a little. Just a little. Just a a few seconds. Number nine, Trojan Man. Avenger or (laughs) Pretender. I'm hoping it's Pretender and I'm hoping it's exactly what it sounds like. Yeah, I'm hoping he's not a mascot for a certain brand. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm going to say Avenger. Pretender. Pretender. Oh, Dave took the beat. Uh, <laughs> uh, he is a pretender. He is the mascot for Trojan. No, 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 no. <laughs> I did wonder. That is something to put on your CV, isn't it? <laughs> I, I've always said, what's, what's the deal with Trojan condoms? It's a case that, you know, you can fit a lot into a very small <laughs> package. Is it, you don't, don't trust what's inside. I think. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I never thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> Right, sorry. <laughs> stop stop been to think about why Trojan condoms are called Trojan condoms. And back to what we were talking about before, which was uh, Avengers. Right, I am... Um, it's been a very interesting one, to be honest, as a judge. I, 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 you know, I was honest at the start. I, I came out of the film, and I really, you know, I was like, yeah. And then I was like, no. And then talk, listening to everyone afterwards, I really didn't know where to land on it. In the last few days, I've not really been able to make up my mind, so it's very interesting to talk... To, to listen to it. I think both of you made extremely good points. Um, I think Joel brought this one up a little bit. It's like, who is the Black Order? That was kind of an issue for me because they're Thanos's henchmen. And it sort of ties in with a bit of what Dave was saying. This is quite a lot of action in this film. And I think maybe they could have sacrificed maybe maybe a little bit because um, it is quite close up. And I did actually feel like I was, was kind of panic inducing at certain points during the film. Wimp. And and <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> and uh like I think you know, for, they could have maybe done the the 
Black Order a little bit more. But then again, Joel had a very good point. I think Thanos is an incredibly good villain in this. I think he's an incredibly good villain. And I, I didn't expect him to be at all. And I think for a very short time, since we've not really ever met Thanos at all, have we? He's just been sat on a throne and smiled and stuff like that. Considering they introduced him in this film, and you gave a shit about him, about him very quickly. So when he actually, spoiler, um, when he kills Gamora... You know, and there's, there's tears coming down his face. That was kind of touching. That worked. And there's no reason that f- should have worked because we didn't know him. That, that really shouldn't have. So, you know, well done to the people, you know, for, for making that work. Joel had a very good point early on as well when he said uh, it does keep a sense of plots. And, you know, this film is like bringing Avengers together. It's not just bringing all of the different characters together. It's bringing a sense of the movies together all into one. And um, I think it kind of does that. You know, Dave was right, though. It doesn't do it perfectly. There are a few things where it does skip around an awful lot. And it does need to, you know, you you do need to pay attention for a very long time to know sometimes. There were times when I was a bit lost and I was like, where the hell are we and what the hell are these characters doing? But considering how much the film jumps, it wasn't actually that much. You know, a lot of things I think this hinges on is what Dave was saying. You know, this is, you know, it's, it's Marvel. It's made by Disney. It's very corporate. And the fake deaths, I'll be honest, they really piss me off at the end. I feel like that lost a lot in the film. I was expecting there to be like a, a, a sad moment because normally in a, you know, if there's a trilogy or if there's two films together, they'll sort of end one with a, you know, sadness, a bit like Empire, do you know what I mean? To make you come back and you'll watch Return of uh, the Jedi. Uh, they didn't really pull that off at all because, you know, as soon as like once like Spider-Man were going, it was just like, well, this is ridiculous. And to be honest, the idea of a time stone just really fucks me off a bit because it's an easy plot device. And Dave was right, you know, just turning the things. It's just like, well, you know, they've got to be very careful in the next film that it's such an easy plot device that they don't sort of ruin it because if you destroy death, then there's no point in an action film, basically, because there's, there's no thing. Um, also, just to say, I thought Ruffalo was pretty shit in this film. I, although I don't think it's down to him. I think because he was in a lot of green screens. I don't think he had much time actually opposite other actors in his scenes. I think a lot of the time he was in suits and he was doing this and I don't actually think he was with others. Um, however, I think a lot of what Dave was saying depends more on the second film than it does this film. And I think a lot of what might happen could happen. And I think if I had to say probably will happen, but that's sort of, I think that needs to depend on when the second film comes out if it does, because... You're starting yeah. to talk shit now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> I think he was just shooting down one of my points as well. Yeah, that point. yeah. All right, Joel. Uh, I, was, I, was just, I, I, was, I was getting a bit lost. Okay. <laughs> Joel, you, you're very close to having this point on the shit list, but yeah, your attitude. Yeah, a little bit. Fucking hell. Right, uh, right I'll carry on. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I've, lo- I've lost you. Yeah, you've, a little you've, bit. You've upset yeah, now. Yeah, you've yeah, have a bit. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, fuck. Right. Uh, it's on the hit list. <laughs> <laughs> Right, well, thank you very much. Um, once again, another handshake. <laughs> um, yeah, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, Bruce is definitely not going to be shaking hands with any of us now. Uh, okay, uh, genuine opinions. Uh, Joel, I imagine that you pretty much yeah, agreed with what said. There are a few tiny, like, uh, you know, minor grievances. 
Like, I, I wish the Black Order had got more screen time and you got to see what they were about because they're really, like, cool characters in the in the comic and stuff. But that's, that's probably it. Like, the death thing, I think, is, like, a, a proper part of it and everybody knows that they'll be, like, undone and stuff. So it, it didn't really bother me that much. So, yeah, I loved it and I wasn't disappointed. Okay. And, Dave, your genuine opinion? Absolutely right call made by alex on this one i have to say <laughs> i enjoyed it i really did i mean i i don't think there's been moments on this podcast where i've lied through my teeth about films i don't think i lied about too much on this one but i was nitpicking and i was making a bigger deal out of points that really don't matter in the grand scheme of things these are enjoyable popcorn films they're big blockbusters it came in and it did exactly what it said it was going to and it was entertaining it was great they had a, it was no easy task either so many characters to juggle so many storylines to keep flowing and what have you and it did it all very well and i think yeah it's a very good film there was a little quote that i stumbled across um which regards my real opinion on the marvel formula it's a quote from shuri and black panther it says just because something works doesn't mean it can't be improved and i think in this instance the marvel franchise did improve its formula yeah i mean i i, I could see where you were talking about though where you were saying it is essentially like a normal marvel film but mm. cut in half and i didn't think about that until you mentioned it and it is completely right you are right there but i think because of how they did it it was really refreshing mm. it's it's really good to see the bad guy win for once and as bruce you were saying before having such a complex bad guy mm-hmm. uh you know like as, as alex was saying when we first introduced to him i thought it was just going to be like oh three five four four i want to rule the universe but the fact that his motives were strange in a way that he just he wanted to half the population of the universe to conserve resources and it, it was an odd one yeah um, i didn't i didn't want to say the words josh brolin because he was fantastic in this he i think probably gave the best performance of yeah. the whole cast and that's not to take anything away from the rest of them but i thought josh brolin nailed it that was yeah a fantastic performance from him yeah and alex you are not really well i, I, I think you're not really a marvel fan but i think you've started to come around but you, you say uh, a, a few months ago you weren't a massive marvel fan uh, do you think that this that this worked? This was this was worth it. Worth all the ten years build up. It's not really my type of film. So if I was judging it on my own, I'd probably put it on the shit list a bit, just for me, because it's not really my type of film. But I know you know it's not really made for me. And um, really, I think it's. I thought this was an impossible film to make, and they did actually pull it off. And it's like a film that's never been kind of made before. You know, like yeah. with eighteen films behind it. So. For that, like, fair enough, you know. I, d- I didn't actually think you could possibly make this film, so... Yeah. See, I'm a bit worried now because I think that this film is going to just completely explode. I think this will become the highest grossing film of all time. It's already on its way to smashing so many box office records. And I worry that they might not be able to wrap it up in the next film. Because obviously it's a two-parter, and what if the second film falls short? But I mean, obviously, right, so was this the culmination of 18 or 19 nights worth of work for you i mean how did yeah, you feel that was uh, it made it all worth it genuinely it really did it was like the ultimate climax from, <laughs> from that definitely from like, was 30, <laughs> from like thirty-seven hours worth of foreplay and then we hit we hit uh, we hit avengers and genuinely i was i came out shaking it was like it was full on you know the action was heavy it was uh I thought it was brilliant. It was really good. Yeah. And I, and I very rarely come out of somewhere and go, oh, yeah, that was brilliant. I, I tend to try and play it on the, they're a bit more down, downplay it. You know, it was okay. There was a few bit, good bits, a few bad bits, but I left that and was like exhilarated. I felt really, really excited. So 
Okay. <laughs> Here's one for you. Right. Higher or lower than our previous bonus episode, Rampage? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe higher. Higher? Yeah, but it's, it's only because it's only just come out and it's only the fanboys rating it at the moment. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah, clearly. Tr- trust me, Ozzy. It's, <laughs> it's not just that. Okay. So Rampage was 6.4. Uh, Avengers, what do you reckon, Bruce? Uh, well, I'd probably say over nine, maybe. Uh, nine point. Eight point nine. Joel, uh, Austin, who the hell's phones there? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, at the moment, it's actually nine. It's taken a bit of a tumble over the past couple of days, but yeah, it's 9.10. I would probably give it nine out of ten. To be honest, I thought it was it was a very, very, very well done film. But a couple of flaws, but hopefully they'll be ironed out in the next one. Uh, okay, so just before we wrap things up, it's time for our caption contest. Okay, now I take I took a snippet, snippet, what the hell? I took a snippet of the film and I posted it on Twitter and asked our friends and followers to provide a caption. Now, the scene... That that I'm talking about is uh, the Hulk. Bruce Banner has just been teleported across the universe by Heimdall and he has landed in Doctor Strange's house. I don't know what, what, what that place is called. It just crashed through the roof and the, the scene here is basically Mark Ruffalo looking perplexed, shirtless, with a load of rubble around him with a big I hole in the I ceiling. I feel like <laughs> if people had listened to this and got the Trojan comment, then maybe that could have been used for this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so all you guys have to decide is which of these is the best caption and wins a delicious froglity froglity treat okay number one I'd give it about 15 minutes lads the toilet is a write off Uh, number two Taco Bell not even once Uh, I'm going to sense that they're all going to involve toilets Um, next time I change back to Bruce I'm going to put mattresses about Uh, number four I can't believe I ate the whole thing. (laughs) Uh, Number five, she told me to fold the laundry. I laughed at her. That's all I remember. (laughs) And the last one is Avengers HGTV Wars. Thanos arrives with an oppressive army of housing inspectors and home decorators for a house flipping special. (laughs) So what do you guys reckon? Mm, I'd say the first one had the, I don't know, yeah. I'll have the laundry one. Yeah, I think the laundry one for me. Laundry? Yeah, I'm going to go laundry as well. It was that one or what was the one before it? The toilet one? Last. Oh, the uh, the house flipping special? The house flipping special, I quite liked. All right, uh, I think the popular vote here is going to be, congratulations, Rob Wade Wilson. You've just won yourself. Uh, Freddo! A froglity chocolatey treat. Okay, so um, yeah, just to wrap things up and say thank you very much for everybody who has listened to our special episode. Uh, We will resume next week. I don't know what the next one to be released is, but just tune in. Um, Thank you very much if you've listened on our website or on iTunes. If not, you can catch us on iTunes, Films on Trial, or our website, filmsontrial.co.uk. Why not check us out on Twitter at Film Trials? Recommend the film and we will put it into the hat and we will eventually review it while you're there also check out our music producer austin ray at aussie ray and our frequent collaborator and graphic artist winston sang at the underscore quirks the poster for this week is hilariously delicious um (laughs) (laughs) froglity (laughs) it's froglity (laughs) Uh, and uh, while you're at it why not check out our other social media 
Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook Films on Trial. So that has been Films on Trial. Avengers Infinity War is on the hit list. Thank you very much, everybody, and we'll be in your ears next week with something else. Goodbye.